Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, where as a church, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So if you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend worship experience. We'd love for you to stay connected with us by visiting us at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. Thanks for being with us, and we really hope you enjoy this message. Amen. Um, To all of our first-time guests, you are walking into a Pray First movement. Pray First. If you are a first-time guest, you have no idea what we're talking about. Early on in January, we casted some vision for our church. Every uh, year, I get away and I ask the Lord what he would have planned in the upcoming year for you and for me, for our community here in Central Florida. And last year, he spoke about this year and that this year, what he wanted us to do was to pray first, to put prayer in its proper place in our lives. That so many times in life, we uh, come into prayer reactively. Something terrible happens to us or somebody that we love, and then we begin to pray. Those tax returns don't come as returns. They come as bills. And then we begin to pray. Um, our kids get bad grades in school and get you know sent home by the principal, and then we begin to pray. And, and, and God's like, I want to be more than just your fire extinguisher. I want to be more than just your pulling case of emergency. I'm tired of taking you out of the valleys. I've got mountaintops for you to discover and to live in, and I want to get you there. And so I'm not going to just pray reactively. I'm going to pray proactively. And I'll say this every week that I preach on prayer, which, spoiler alert, I'm going to preach a lot on prayer this year. It's the thing God asked me to speak about. Pastor Liz prayed for me before I came up here in the second service, and she prayed for me, and, and she said, Lord, I pray that these people don't get tired about hearing about prayer. And I pray that my husband don't get tired about preaching it. <laughs> and, and I really don't. I think prayer can change your life, especially if, you've, if, you're, if you're far from God. If you're far from God, I say this every week, you probably came to church to find out more about God, to see if he's even real. And my response to that, although it seems, uh, it seems counterintuitive, is don't ask me. If you got questions about God, ask God. He's here. He hears. He listens. You give him five minutes of your time. You share your heart with him. He will open up his heart with you. Be warned. You're going to hear God's heart, though. (laughs) And you might never be the same again. And so now also, if you are a Christian, there is something to be said about maturing in your faith. And one of my greatest desires for you is to really learn how to pray. I said this uh, about this year. For me, I, I really couldn't care less if our church grows in attendance this year. I know, I know that heaven is real and hell is real and we want to see the church growing all the time, but my focus this year is not that our attendance grows, but that your relationship with God grows more than any time ever in your life. So I want to see you mature in your faith. That's going to happen through prayer because there are steps to maturity, okay? Like all of my child dedication parents, raise your hand, you're a parent, you dedicated your child today. All right, great. Listen, you're going to learn some things about your kids if this is your first kid. If this is your second or third kid, maybe you might have discovered this, but there are some days that really stick out of the calendar for you as a parent. One of those days might be the first time they say their first word, right? It'd probably be like mama or dada. Most likely it's going to be mine. That's going to be their first word because all children are sinners. I didn't say it. The Bible did. Uh, So another day that's going to really stick out to you is the day they take their first steps. That's a big one. I always say that's a big one for parents in a lot of ways because they take their first steps, you're excited, and then all of a sudden you realize they can get away from me. That becomes a whole other level. Uh, It's a big day, a real big day, parents, when they learn how to wipe their own butts. That's a big day. That's a praise the Lord. Amen. 
The potty will not eat you. That's you. Now you have a good relationship with the potty. This is great. Save me some time. There's another day that this is for the vets. The parents who are vets know this day will change your life as a parent. Okay? This is the day that your child, if you know, you know. If you don't know, you don't know. The day your child learns how to pour their own milk. That day will change your life. Because the day your child learns to pour their own milk is the day that they can make their own cereal. Let me tell you about cereal. It's got everything you need. Carbs, protein, fats, vitamins. Talking about the good stuff, not the Lucky Charms or the tricks. You know, it's the good stuff, the brown kind. It's good for you. Listen, when you get the brown kind of cereal and your kid can learn how to pour their own milk, you get to leave guilt-free. Maybe you didn't have time to make breakfast that morning. Go make cereal. Maybe you're on a rush, you gotta run to work, you got date night, no problem, go make cereal. Mommy, they're knocking on your door, it's early, you wanna sleep in on your day off, make me food, go eat cereal, it changes your life. <laughs> and I think it's important to mention, because in this relationship between you and I, I'm, God has kind of asked me to step into a shepherd role, almost like a spiritual father type role in your life. And let me just say, in that role, the thing that would bring me the most pride, the thing that would make me feel the most accomplished is if you can get to the place in your relationship with God, if when you need something, you can go to the source itself. This is bad job security for me, but this is good for your spiritual maturity. I wish you could get to the place that when you need a word from God, you don't have to wait till I serve it up on Sunday. You can get that word from God in your prayer closet right when you need it. You need a miracle, you can get it right there. You need healing, you get it right there. You need to cast out some devils, you get the oil, little Cisco, lay hands on yourself. Pray that devil out yourself because you got God's hand on your life. Jesus did not die on the cross to lift up one priest to lead one church. He died on the cross to lift up a church of priests and a church of pastors and a church of preachers and a church of missionaries and a church of healers and a church of evangelists. That was his goal and I want to see you Learn how to pour your own cereal one day. And you're going to learn that when you learn to pray, which is my goal for you. And, and we've been doing that this part of the year with the series called, and it's in three different passages. So before you get ahead of me, I want you to shout out the words that you see in yellow on the screen behind me so you can know what we're talking about. Paul, three different times, three different times uses the same phrase to describe his desire for our prayer life. First Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, rejoice always, pray. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you. And Christ Jesus, what's your will for me, God? I'll tell you what it is to pray at all times. Ephesians 6, 18. Pray in the Spirit. Pray with all kinds of prayers and ask for everything you need. To do this, you must always be ready. Never give up. Always pray for all God's people. Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, 3. Give yourselves to prayer. Being watchful and thankful and pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in change. We are in a series called At All Times. What does it mean to pray at all times? Are we to take this literally, figuratively, metaphorically, symbolically? Last week, we took it literally. We jumped into the Word of God and discussed what it means to pray to God literally at all times. Is it even possible? And we said, yes, it absolutely is. I taught you last week, and I would encourage you to go back to that sermon to find out more, how to speak to God conversationally, conversationally. Next week, we're going to talk about how to speak to God intercessionally. But today, we're going to speak about how to speak to God, or yesterday, how to, last Sunday, <laughs> last Sunday, we talked about how to speak to God conversationally. That's like to just go throughout your day having a conversation with God. And you can do that at all times because I give you two steps. Number one, I said anytime that you talk to yourself, instead talk to God. 
which is why I know it's possible to pray at all times because you talk to yourself all the time. All the time you talk to yourself. So I'm saying just flip it to the Lord, all right? Now this happened to me over the weekend. I was at Disney and three different times at Disney, I was thinking to myself something and I flipped it to the Lord. It happened more than that, but three times that stick out. The first time was when I got through the gates, you know, you just scanned the little ticket and you look at the, and I looked at the price of the tickets as I scanned the tickets. And after I scanned that ticket, I said, thank you. Oh my gosh, wow, I am blessed. The fact that I can afford these tickets, that I can take my whole family on this, I am blessed. And I flipped it. Instead of saying, I'm blessed, I said, Lord, thank you for blessing me. My God, the, the fact that we can afford this, that came from you. I didn't have this growing up. And so this is amazing. Thank you, Lord. The second time I thought something to myself and I turned it to a prayer was after I got in, I ordered a, a peach honey milkshake. So good. <laughs> so good. I started drinking and I started thinking to myself, I said, this is so good. And I said, pray at all times. I'm going to flip it. God, you're so good. Thank you for making milk and ice cream and peaches and putting it together. You're good, Lord. And then I said this. We don't thank God enough for this. We need to thank God more for this. I said, Lord, thank you for sugar. Sugar gets a lot of hate, Lord, but you made it. It's got to be good. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> thank you, Lord. The last time I, I, I turned it into a prayer as a thought of mine was when I was waiting in a line and it was so long. Now I was thinking, this line is so long. And I turned it into a prayer. I said, Lord, this line is so long. Give me patience or make it move faster, Lord. Come on. We got the lightning lane. Now we need the Lord's lane. Come on, get me there. Get me there. And it happened. We were in the line, and then they were like, we were in the side. And they were like, how many in your party? And we were like six. There were six of us. And they had us like move in front of everybody. And I was like, he does answer prayers. <laughs> My gosh. Pray at all times. And then we talked about conversational prayers, not just about speaking. That if it's going to be conversational, then every conversation has two parts, right? Sometimes in a conversation I speak, and other times in a conversation I listen, why would it be any different with God? So we're going to speak to God at all times. Sometimes you can't always talk at all times. But just because we can't always talk at all times doesn't mean we can't always be having a conversation at all times. And so when we're not talking, I, I said this. I said, be ready to listen at all times. And there were two times at Disney where I really felt like the Spirit impressed upon me something, really spoke to me. The first time is we were on our way out. I had my journey hat on, and we were on our way out. And within five minutes... Like we're heading towards the, we were at Epcot, we had the big, somebody called it a golf ball for the first time. I never thought of it that way. We're right next to the golf ball. We're on our way out. And within five minutes, three people who go to the church stopped me. One after the other, separate. They weren't in one party. They were three separate people coming to the park at different times. And they were like, hey, Pastor JJ, what's up? Make Jesus accessible to anyone. You know? <laughs> and I'm like, dang, that's awesome. Like just one after one after one. And I felt like the Holy Spirit impressed upon me. Like, this is what I planned churches to be when I planned churches. That they would have such an influence in their city that people in the city would recognize that God loves them. Zane uh, pulled my shirt down. Zane said, Daddy, you're famous. I said, nobody, Jesus is. And that's the goal. And that's why we plant more campuses. And that's why we have online. And that's why we preach. And to make Jesus famous. And the more people that know Journey know Jesus. That's a good thing. Really encouraged me. The other one was on the Skyliner. I don't know if you're familiar with what the Skyliner is. If you're not a Disney person or if you don't live here in Central Florida, you watch online. We have this, uh, I don't know how to describe it. It's like a, it's a gondola. It's like a traveling air thing. 
you get into and it takes you to other parks. You might have seen them like on the highway. They're there by the parks. And, and I got in it with my family and also my sister-in-law um, and my, uh, my nephew. And while we're in it, my, uh, my sister-in-law starts to get nauseous. She's about to throw up. And she grabs a, a potato chip bag, opens the bag like she's ready, and now she's making noises. You ever been with somebody who's about to make, it's like, whoo, you know, it's like, whoo, you start breathing real deep, and I, and I hear the noises, and it triggers me. It triggers me, and, and it doesn't, but it doesn't trigger my nausea, it triggers my claustrophobia. Uh, I'm, very, I'm very claustrophobic. It doesn't hit me always, but when it hits me, it's bad. So I'm in the corner. Her nausea just triggered my claustrophobia. Now, I don't know what's worse. She's about to throw up. I'm going to die. I don't know. And I'm, and I'm there, and I'm just like, and I'm just praying at all times. <laughs> so, Lord, and I could just hear the Holy Spirit minister to me. He ministered to me in that moment, and I took a lesson out of that that I think he was speaking to me for the rest of my life. He, he told me, he said, calm down. You're going to make it. Just stay inside. <laughs> if, you, if you just stay, I will get you to where you need to go. You've been on this ride before. You know that it ends. And you know that in a short while, those doors will open. And when they open, you will have a way out. Yes. I say, yes, Lord. That gondola came, doors open. I pushed my sister-in-law to the side. I said, excuse me, very much. I get out. The Lord said, the Lord said, you know, just got out. I was so happy to get out of there. And it, and it wasn't just for that moment, though. It was really for life. And it really why I want to transition this message. If I could summarize today's message in one word, the word that I believe God has for you today is very simple. Stay. Stay. What does it mean to pray at all times? Psalms chapter 130, verse five through six. I love this. Check this out. Have you ever read this before? I pray to God. Hmm. My life of prayer. My life of prayer. How do you use your life as a prayer? When I wait for what he'll say and do. One of the ways that we can pray at all times is when we understand that prayer is just not what we say but also what we do. What we do communicates even more powerfully than what we say. You know, nonverbal communication, researchers say that nonverbal communication makes up 55 to 93% of what we say. 55 to 93% of what we say, we don't even say. We say it with our, our stuff. Here's a great example. I saw this video on TikTok. Can we throw it up real quick? Because I think a lot of people can relate. Verbal communication. What you gonna do with that cup, bro? What you gonna do with that cup? is in the air. <laughs> oh, man. She used her nonverbal communication skills to communicate to that brother, you better clean that cup. Now, I don't know what kind of context their marriage is in or their relationship. All I know was she did not have the words. She didn't need the words to communicate clearly what she was trying to say. She has some needs and she didn't use her word. She used her yeah, today, today's message is called body language. She used her body language. 
I want to talk to you about body language today because I think that our body language is even more powerful than our actual language. Because sometimes we can say things in our words that we don't even mean, and our body betrays us when we try to be lying. You know exactly what I'm talking to. I'm talking to you. Be like, can you help me move this Saturday? And you're like, yeah, I'd love to. Be great. Help you move. Does it bother you that I took, the, can I have this chair real quick? I was just, no, it doesn't bother me at all. It's just kind of, <laughs> take the chair. Just take the chair. <laughs> take the chair. You know? And it's like, and it's like our, our, our body language is almost more true and almost more honest, which I think, listen, doesn't have to be a burden. I'm not telling you, like, you better watch your body language because God is watching you. No, no, that's not what I mean. I mean, it's actually not a burden. It's a tool. Because there are some seasons in life that we endure that there are no words for. And when we go through those seasons and we have no words for them, if we're not careful or if we're uninformed, we can interpret those seasons as prayerlessness because we don't have the words. But more so than the words are our choices and our attitudes. And sometimes if we just stay, sometimes we go through things we get mad at the Lord we yell at the Lord we shout at the Lord how dare you if you were real you would have protected me you would have kept me I'm so mad are you even real you say all that mess but then you still show up to church on Sunday you say all that mess but then you still put the worship song on your radio you say all that mess but you still read your Bible app that little verse a day that you got going on in the morning and I think the Lord is going back there and he's not too stressed out about what you said because he has what you said but then he has your body language over here going against what you said more so on your body you know what Lord I'm not feeling it I'm not about it but I'm not going nowhere I'm going to stay because I trust you because you're mine because I believe in you because I love you this is a tool for you when you don't know what to say and you don't know what to pray it's a tool for you. This is for you to be able to speak to the Lord in the seasons when there are no words. What are those seasons? The person who wrote Psalms 33, his name, Psalm, Psalm 130, his name was King Hezekiah. And King Hezekiah went through three different seasons in his life. I think those are the seasons that we go through where we have no words. Number one, he was 42 when he had his first kid. 42. That's saying a lot if you grow up in an era where there's no contraceptives or birth control. That means that it wasn't like he wasn't trying. That means that even though the Bible doesn't tell us directly, he was barren. He didn't have no kids. He couldn't have kids. You know, there are no words when you're barren, when you go through a season and things are not happening. And I'm not just talking about infertility here. I think that barrenness is really a metaphor in the Bible for any time we are doing the right thing on the outside, but the right thing on the outside is not producing anything on the inside. Hmm. My wife and I, I remember how discouraged we were when we had back-to-back-to-back miscarriages. It wasn't just discouraging, it was frustrating because we had already two kids. We were healthy. And listen, I I don't know, I can't remember what my grade was in health class, but I'm pretty sure I paid attention enough to know that I was doing the right thing. (laughs) That everything was where it needed to be. And, 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 and I'm doing the right thing. We're doing the right thing. We're taking the vitamin. She even had the app with the flowers. If you know, you know. Those women trying to get pregnant, they got an app on their phone that's like, have sex on these days. That's work. <laughs> if you know, you know. And, and, I, and we would try, and it wouldn't happen, and it was so frustrating. Listen, it's sad enough when you do the wrong thing and wrong things happen. But we also understand what gets real frustrating is when we do the right things and nothing's happening on the inside. You got the good job. You're making good money. You go to the gym. You're eating good food. You got a nice house. Your wife is beautiful. Your husband is handsome. You, all, you read your Bible. You go to church. You do 
all of those things, but on the inside, there's a barrenness. There's an emptiness. I'm not talking to anybody today who knows what it feels like to wake up in the morning and for no reason feel empty. And you try to pray, and then you you pastors tell you, pray about it. If I could, I wouldn't be here. Prayer is hard when you get there because prayer is birthed out of motion. So if I'm not, if I'm not, if I'm grateful, I'm gonna pray. If I'm suffering, I'm gonna pray. But what happens when you're empty? What happens when you get up and you ain't got nothing, no feeling, no type of energy? How do you pray? It's a barrenness. There are no words when you're in a battle. Hezekiah was in a battle against the king of Assyria. Sennacherib was his name, the king of Assyria. That army is famous for being the largest army in the world. Sometimes I can't pray, hear me, because I feel like I'm outnumbered. Like, I can't pray because I don't know where to start. Where do I start? Pray, JJ. Okay, where do I start? Do I start praying about my finances? I can spend a whole lot of time there. Do I pray about my kids? Because I can spend a whole lot of time there. Do I pray about my lower back pain? Because I can spend a whole lot of time there. Do I pray about Ukraine? Because I'm not sure what's going on, but I think they could use some prayer, and I could, they could use a whole lot of prayer there. Do I pray about the stock market, this upcoming recession? Do I pray about my split ends? I got a lot going on. Where do I start? I'm outnumbered. My needs outnumber my ability to articulate. And, and not only that, Oftentimes in a battle, listen, it's hard to find the words when I get exhausted. 2023 has been exhausting, if I could just be honest with you. We launched a campus in January, and they got no idea how much work it took to birth that campus. We've been there for a year. We love that campus. If you just came here from that, we love you. It took a lot of work to give birth to you. A lot of money, a lot of preparation. And then after that happened, we had to grieve some staff members. After that happened, our car broke down. After that happened, unexpected expense. After that happened, we had some issues in this facility. And it was battle after battle after battle. And I remember Pastor Liz and I just a couple weeks ago looked at each other. And we said, listen, I don't mind fighting. But if I could just get a timeout, <laughs> I'll fight again. If I could just get like five minutes, Lord. Just breathe, just breathe and I'll go back to battle. But it's hard to pray when you ran out of breath. Because you're so tired from fighting in prayer. And finally, Hezekiah was in a season where there were no words. Because there are no words when the behavior is not changing. He, Hezekiah, was over Israel. Israel had a problem with idolatry. And he kept trying to change them. He kept trying to help them. He kept, and he did really good. He, he tore down the idols. He tore down the high places. He made it law that you could only worship God in and, and a monotheistic society. That was kind of the way to go back then. And, and, he, and, he, and he pushed that. And it was great. But they weren't changing. I wonder if you've ever been in a position where you've done everything and you've said anything, but your, your behavior is still not changing. Or, this way home with some people, the behavior of someone you love is not changing. Come on, I don't know how many times you said to someone else or said to yourself, Lord, this is the last time. If you help me here, Lord, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'll stop, Lord, just, but nothing's happening. I know our kids, we're trying to get them to go to bed at a certain time, and we've been really struggling with that lately because the punishments that used to work are no longer working. So the bedtime used to be 8, and we said, listen, if you can't stay up, if you can't go to bed by 8, we're going to move it to 7.30. So we did that, and that started working for a little bit. Now that's not working no more. Well, I can't just keep moving back the clock. I can't have him go to sleep at 2.30. It's just not going to happen. <laughs> and, then, and then we said, all right, if you stay up past bedtime, we're going to take away video games. That worked for a little bit. Then, then that stopped working. So the other day, they stood up past bedtime again. Pastor Liz said, I don't know what to do with them. I said, take the pillows. Yeah. 
pillows. She said, oh, we can't do that. That's like, you go to jail for stuff like that. I'm like, all right, we're not going to take the pillows. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? So she came up with her own system, you know. She said, every time they go past bedtime, they're going to do push-ups. Yeah. Which I don't know if it's going to work. But either way, good things are going to happen. Either they're going to go to bed on time or they're going to be jacked. One of the way. One of them going to work. The frustration was none of the words were working. Have you been there? You don't even know what to tell the Lord. You're like, yeah, maybe try again. Reset. Can I get another shot? I don't know. The anger's not going away. You already tried. The anxiety's not going away. You already tried. The addiction's already going away. You already tried. The procrastination's not going away. You already tried. Your bad money habits are not going away. You already tried. Popeye's chicken ain't going away. You already tried. What do you do? Do the thing that Hezekiah did. In every season, Hezekiah had the same response when he ran out of words because he was exhausted, when he ran out of words because he ran out of options, when he ran out of words because he ran out of solutions. Here's what he said when he had nothing left to do. He said, I pray to God, Psalms 135, 5 through 6, my life of prayer, and I wait for what he'll say and do. Here's my whole sermon. Ready? Waiting on prayer to be answered is prayer. Let it sink, let it sit, receive this. Waiting on prayer to be answered is prayer. And that ought to encourage you because when you throw your prayer up to heaven and nothing happens, you're gonna interpret the discouragement as prayerlessness. It's not prayerlessness, it's faith and it's communication and it's waiting. Because guess what? You don't have to pray, but you keep praying. And you don't have to stay, but you keep staying. And you don't have to serve this God anymore, but you stay serving this God. So the more you stay and the more you serve and the more you pray and the more you worship and the more you just, just I'm, I'm just in it, Lord. I'm not going anywhere. Something that's communication. That's communication. When you used to say, Lord, I'm just staying. And I got nothing else to say, but I'm not going. So whatever, but I'm here. And I'm gonna be here mad. And I'm gonna be here sad. And I'm gonna be here angry. And I'm gonna be here without words. But you're praying. That's prayer. Because you're connected and you're committed and you're telling the Lord, I'm not going anywhere. No matter what happens, no matter what happens. Let me teach you some body language. Three, really quickly. The first body language you need to learn. Listen, patience is body language. Patience is body language. Pastor Liz and I recently had a breakthrough in our marriage. We've been, we will be married 15 years this year, and we've been arguing over the same thing for 14 and a half. And it's house repairs. You know this if you've been a member of our church and you hear me preach about it. That's her love language. She does it when I fix stuff. And for many years, we had an issue because she would always ask me to fix things and I wouldn't do it, <laughs> to be fair. But then there were some times where I would say I would do it. And that, this got me so mad, so mad. I would say I would do it. I said, I'm going to do it on Friday. Friday's fixed stuff day. I'm going to fix this on Friday. And I would be so mad because Thursday would come and I would see her doing the thing she asked me to do that I told her I was going to do on Friday. You can't wait one more day. You can't just see what happens. At least then you could get on me, but you're just going to just jump the gun, huh? Just do it yourself. Ladies, you will get your husband mad. Do that. Don't even give him a chance. I'm so mad. I said, why are you even asking me to do it if you're going to do it? Well, she said, oh, I didn't know if you were going to do it. Now you never will. 
So that's what a lot of our fights were like. Until one day, until when, now to be fair, it's because sometimes I said I would do it and I wouldn't do it. But very rarely, very rarely. So the breakthrough became this app that we have that we share. It's so funny, I preached about it in the first two services, and then she sent me a screenshot of something on the app in between second and third service. She's like, I'm glad you preached about it. Now live it. You know? So I'm like, hey, I live it. I live it. Simmer down, okay? This app is, I, I write things down now. Now I'm not just saying it anymore. Now I write it down. And I say, I'm going to write, and I write it down, and I send it to her, and it's got a little star on it, and she sees it. And it's amazing how it's changed our marriage. It's changed me, because then I can't pretend like I didn't say it. Not that I ever did. But if you're a husband, you can't forget anymore. You wrote it down. Y'all both saw it. Y'all clicked on it. You know what I'm saying? So, so I'm going to do it because I said it. For her, it changed her because once she knew that I had written it down, she knew I was going to do it. Because once it was written down, she knew that she could trust it. Our patience, and she's patient now, she'll wait till I do it on Friday. She won't jump and do it on Thursday. When we choose to let God do what he said he would do, instead of trying to do it, ourselves, our patience communicates our trust in God. So many times we take things into our own hands because God's not moving fast enough. He said he would do it, but he didn't do it on your timeline. And so you start to take it into your own hands and God's like, do you not trust me enough for me to do what I said I would do? Trust me, I wrote it down. And if I wrote it down, I'm going to do it. Trust me. I'm going to tell you right now, how many people have ever heard the phrase, walk by faith? Walk by faith. Walk by faith. You ever heard that? I walk by faith. I walk by faith. Well, you can write this down. Sometimes you walk by faith. Other times you wait by faith. And sometimes it takes more faith to stop than it does to do. Trust in the Lord that he said that he would do what he said he would do. Not just patience is your body language. Let me give you another one. Posture is a body language. Posture. You know what posture is? Posture. You know. Posture. Posture is body language. Psalms 135 through 6. My life's on the line before God. My life. Waiting and watching till morning. Waiting and watching. Everybody say watching. watching. The word watching in the Hebrew means expecting. What are you expecting? He's the night guard. He's the night guard on the tower, the watchtower. What is the night guard on the tower watching for when his shift is up? When is his shift up if he's the night guard? When? When the sun comes up. And what does the night guard know? Because he's been through more than enough nights in his life. That no matter how dark the night gets, that the sun will come up. Come on, I hear my inner Annie rising up within me. The sun will come out tomorrow. I hear it. When was the last time you went through a night where you thought, this is the one? I can feel it. This night is nightier than the other nights I have endured. I think this is the one, babe. What do you mean? I don't think the sun's coming up tomorrow. No, never. You know, because you've lived through enough nights to, to realize and understand that the sun never sets forever. That when the sun, every sunset is followed by a sunrise. So I can wait through the night expecting. 
The sons of God expecting good things to happen. Let me ask you about your posture because your patience is that you wait. It communicates your trust in God. But our posture, it's not that you wait, it's how you wait. Our posture communicates very clearly our expectation of God. So now what do you expect God to do? What do you expect God to do? Huh? Because that tells me how you ought to fix your, your, your posture here. The other day, I was, not the other day, it's like three days ago, I was working on this message and I was real down and, uh, and I saw Liz, she was walking by me and I said, babe, I need you to pray for me. She said, how come? I said, I feel empty. I hope that encourages you, by the way, that your pastor, who like, this is my life. Like I pray, read the Bible, pray for my life. That even I have days where I'm like, I don't know that I'm feeling this right now. I feel empty. I feel kind of dry right now. And I was telling her, I just feel mad. You know, she told me, she said, you should pray about that. I was like, if I could, <laughs> I don't think I would have asked you <laughs> to pray for me. Right. I said, babe, praying is really hard right now for me. I'm trying, but I ain't got the words. She knew what I was preaching about. So she said, hmm, you should use your body language. <laughs> And I was like, man, well, if I'm going to preach it, I might as well try and live it. So I remember I went to the shower, and I was in the shower, and I'm thinking to myself of my posture, because that's the point I was on. And I was all down, and I was all defeated. Because I don't know if you noticed that. Your posture, have you ever noticed what, what they call bad posture? Yes. Isn't that a thing? And it's so easy to do this, right? Like, this takes no thought. It feels good. This, why? Because it's natural to be discouraged. Isn't it? Yeah. It's natural to be downcast. Yeah. It's natural to be well, Igor from Winnie the Pooh. You know, woe is me. And it's just, it's just natural. But I've learned this through going to the chiropractor and the doctor. Just because it's natural doesn't mean it's right. Yeah. And sometimes you gotta, even though it's not natural, sometimes you gotta kind of stretch it out and kind of break it and kind of, and just remember. And so I started to think about it, expectation. I said, this is how I felt like in the shower, just kind of all down and all. And then I started to think about, you know, this isn't the last time, this isn't the first time you felt like this. You've been in a funk before, and it probably won't be the last time. But how did the last time end? Hmm. Well, a couple days, I went into God's presence, and everything was good, and I felt like he was my next-door neighbor, like he was right there, like he was in my heart, and it was good, and the, 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 the sorrow lasted for a while, but it didn't last forever. Mm. So how do you think this one's going to end? Yeah. And my expectations started to shift, and when my expectations started to shift, I started to adjust yeah. my posture. David did this in the Bible all the time. He did it three times in the book of Psalms, Psalms 42, 42, and 43. Look what he said. Why are you downcast on my soul? Why the unease within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. God told me to tell somebody today, you better straighten your shoulders. You better stand up tall. You better lift your head up like you know how the story ends, like you know how this goes and where this goes and who I am and my love for you. Fix your posture. Adjust yourself. I know it doesn't feel natural. I know it doesn't feel natural. Whenever you stand up straight, it doesn't feel natural, but that doesn't mean it's not right. I had a friend tell me the other last Sunday, he goes, man, I'm working on this thing, and I feel like every time I do it, it was a good thing. It was like a communication technique with his wife. And he was like, and every time I do it, I feel like I'm breaking character. It doesn't feel natural. And I'm like, yeah, because the natural us is the sinner. Because the natural us is selfish. Because the natural us is bad, got bad posture. Sometimes we got to do the unnatural things. But just because it's not natural doesn't mean it's fake. Yeah. 
That's where you got to learn the difference. It doesn't mean that it's fake. It means you're committed to stepping and standing in everything that God's called you to. Work on your patience. Work on your posture. Here's the last body language. You don't even got to say a word for this one. Here's the last one. Listen, planted is body language. Planted is body language. You can bring up the stuff. Psalms 135 through 6. I am counting on the Lord. Yes, I am counting on him. I have put my hope in his word. I long for who? I long for who? I long for the Lord more than centuries long for the dawn. Yes, more than centuries long for the dawn. Now we understand what the guy was praying about all this time. Not for a child. Not for victory. Not for deliverance. The entire time he was praying for more of God. Wow. You know what I think is cool about my wife? That if I never fix another thing in my house, she ain't going nowhere. She's not a prisoner, to be clear. But she ain't leaving, because that's not why she got in. She didn't marry me for my home repair skills. She married me because she loved me. So if I never produce a thing in life that she was expecting, that doesn't change her love for me. When we stay planted, regardless of God doing what we expected him to do in our life or not, we communicate our love for God. When we tell the Lord, I'm not going nowhere. I'm here and I'm here for life. Regardless of what happens, regardless if I get a job, regardless if things turn around, regardless if I'm in ministry, regardless if I'm here, I just, I love you. Our church reaches a lot of people. I love it. We got boomers. We got millennials. We got Gen Z. We got a ton of people that come to our church. I want to use millennials as a sermon illustration real quickly because we lead so many millennials to the Lord and especially millennials that used to grow in church, grew up in church at one time and then they stopped growing in church for a season and then they come back and it's usually a journey. And I think it's like this. When they were kids, their parents planted them in the church. Took them to Sunday school, you know, got them a Bible, took them on mission trips, and all that stuff, youth ministry, and they loved it. They loved it. It wasn't always pretty. Sometimes it was messy. For sure as heck wasn't perfect. No churches, but something about it felt good. And then something happens. Parents get divorced. Someone gets sick. Someone passes away. You just you hit your twenties. <laughs> you just hit your twenties. You hit your 20s, and all of a sudden, you start thinking, you know what, maybe this life isn't all what it cracked up to be. And you know, maybe Jesus is actually keeping me from things. And then what you do is you actually dig up the seed that your parents planted in you. And then you start getting just buck wild. Just living out there in the world. (laughs) Just chilling. Thinking that out there is better than in here. And you do all the things. You know, have sex. Get involved in drinking. Visit a, strip club, visit a strip club in your life. Now you've been to like five. And it just, I don't know how that means to attack anybody. I don't know. I'm just speaking prophetically right now. <laughs> just, you know, you, you just, you're hanging out with the wrong crowd. But listen, but you're making a lot of money. You know, you, everything's lined up. You got the degree. But something's missing. And then you turn 30. And then you start to realize that even though out here you have more freedom, there's less protection. There's less warmth. There's less love. You realize that even though this might seem fun or was fun at some point, you understand at some point that this is not what you were created for. And so at some point in your 30s, someone invites you to a church. And you're like, ah, I kind of did that. I don't do that no more. 
and the first worship song hits and you're like, oh, I remember what it feels like to be where you're created to be. And I, I bring them up because they're the funniest. They tell me a lot of times, they go, I wish there was something else. Just like that, because they know they could be honest with me. Like I tried. Nothing else will do. Once you have experienced the love of God, it's like the disciples said when Jesus was like, yeah, I don't have to follow me no more. And the disciples were like, where else will we go? Sometimes they look at me and they go, I just, I just know that it's real. And I know that it's home. And I want to be back here. Regardless of what God does in my life or doesn't do in my life, I love him. I know that he loves me. So I'm willing to be buried. And I'm willing to be planted. And I'm not leaving no matter what. So I want to pray for two types of people today. And I'm not even going to ask you to pray with me. I'm just going to ask you to use your body language. I want to talk to the person who's already a Christian, but the devil's been doing some things in your life and he's trying to get you to pull out that seed. Maybe you go to Journey Youth. Maybe you're you just, you hit some hard times and you're like, I know what my parents planted in me. I know what I love, but, but you know what? I'm just, I'm ready to dig it out. I don't want to, here's my prayer for you, that God would touch your heart, that you would stay planted home where you know you belong where you know you were created for that's my first prayer every head bowed every eye closed nobody looking around you don't got to say a word church but if that's you here today and you look man I can feel the enemy trying to pull me out I will not leave I'm going to stay planted I'm coming back to the love of God if that's you on three I want you to raise your right hand as a signal and a sign Jesus I'm staying I'm going anywhere. I can feel the enemy trying to pull me out, but I'm not leaving. I know what you called me to do. I know what I'm created for. I am staying home because I love you. On three, if that's you all over this building, I just want to pray for you. Just use your body language. Raise your hand if that's you. One, two, three. Let me see a hand lifted up. Let me see a hand lifted up. Almost every hand in the room. I love that. I get it. I was there this week. I don't know if I want to stay here, Lord. I don't know if I believe. I don't know if I'm, I'm discouraged and I'm down. And, and I, when I didn't have the words to pray, you know what I told the Lord? I'm going to still show up on Sunday. I'm going to still preach that message. I'm going to still sing those songs because I'm planted. And I'm going to let my actions say to you what I do not have the strength to speak or utter. I'm just not going. Let that be known. I'm just not going. If that's you, that's okay. You don't have to say anything. Keep your hand raised and I'm going to pray for you right now. Father, I see every hand that is raised in the room right now. Everyone who had the courage to, everyone who didn't, you see the body language, Lord. God, if that's okay, right there, would you meet them in their seat? Would you speak to them, encourage them, challenge them? Let them know, Lord God, that they are not alone and remind them that the soil is where they belong. That out there on the street might be fun, might look like fun, but there's no place like home. No place like the dirt called church. No place like your presence. No place like your love. And I'm just telling you, tell the Lord right there, I'm not going anywhere. I'm coming home. I'm staying planted. Stay in that spirit as you begin to speak with the Lord. I want to talk to those people who are not Christians today. You're not in the soil today. You're a seed on the ground. But you can feel the Lord calling you back home. And you got no words to describe your emotions. But... You're ready to come. Let your body language do the speaking. If you're ready to come home today, ready to get your seat back in the soil, you've been out for a while, on the count of three, if you're an overflow or if you're in the building or even online, I want you to raise your right hand. I want to pray for you that you will come back home. Get your seat in the ground where you belong. One, two, all over this building. If that's you, one, two, three, shoot your right hand high up to God. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see it over here in the corner. An overflow. 
Raise that hand. If that's you, you need to come back home. Amen. I know, I, know, I know you ain't got words. I know you ain't got the words. Just keep that hand raised. Let me pray for you. Father, I'm coming back home. God, you see every hand that's raised today. We're returning to you. We're returning to your love, knowing that nothing else can do. Nothing else can do. Nothing else but you. Father, we're, we're sowing our life into your love because we love you. Thank you for dying on the cross. Forgive me for our sins. Bring me home. Protect me in my future. Forgive me for my past. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Would you put your hands together and welcome all those who made that decision today. We hope you've enjoyed this message, and we would love to hear your story and how this ministry is changing your life. Please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. And if you would like to support financially, you can give online at journeyorl.com give. If you're in the area, join us on Sunday for the full experience. Have a blessed week.